0: Welcome to the Wisdom of Madness with Rasuli and Jesh DeRox.
1: Two friends from different worlds discuss the beauty and mystery of creativity.
0: years old, my uncle took me to a store to buy my first box of painting materials. I wanted to do a painting, but the brushes were not good. They were not coming together. They were spreading all over the place. But that's all I had, these brushes. So I had to work with those brushes and trying to figure out how I can fix these brushes so when I put them on the board, they won't just spread all over. It would be like a sharp point that I could play around with. One day I was in the pool and the cat came by the pool and as I was swimming I just put some water on the cat and I looked at the cat and the hair had come to points. And that's exactly what I wanted, pointed hair, bunch of them coming to a point. So I thought wow that's what I need, cat hair. I couldn't catch the cat that was an alley (laughs) cat. So I told my friends that I buy cats. (laughs) Sunday morning, they were kids lined up with cats. (laughs) So I could pay quarter per cat. So I picked three cats that had longer hair, and they had to help me cut the hair from back of their neck, which was the longest. And I kept three different ones. Now, the next thing was how to put these together. (laughs) That was a tough one. I saw a pigeon wing hair, and the bottom part of it was narrow inside, and it was like the shape that I wanted. So I took one of those and I cut it and and punched a hole to the end of it, tied the strings, you know, tied the hair of the cat with the string and pulled it through that. So now I had a little short brush, and I got sticks from garden. So I made my own brushes, which was very handsome for me. It comes to one sharp point, which I discovered with the cat. That was something that guided me to see things deeper than what you're looking at, because then that could build into something else. In our life we need things that we know which are physical things and we need things that we don't know which are our emotional things, things that develops our emotions. Movies have so much impact. You watch a movie and if it's a strong movie it stays with you for a long, long, long time. If I begin to observe the distance between you and I, rather than seeing you, that distance between you and I allows us to be creative in our own mind. I can see you flaring out the way I want to see you, because it's not you that I'm looking at. Mm. The way we see things could be very important in whatever we create. doesn't matter whether it's visual or any other form that connection would be something that we should be more attending to. Catch things that we don't ordinarily see. Give yourself like five minutes a day, 10 minutes a day to begin with, to look at things that you don't ordinarily see. As we develop this, we get to become selective of the things that attracts us to see outside what we recognize. If we begin to look at the things that attracts us to see, once we find the direction in life, we zero in in the more of the things that connects with us. And as we zero in on that, we begin to find the clues that guide us where to go next. Those clues are right there. And the way to see it is to see it outside our judgmental acceptability of what visually attracts us when we look at things. If you don't recognize things, you don't pay attention to it because we only see the things that we recognize. So as we begin to train ourselves to look some of the things that we don't recognize, we find that a deeper side of ourselves that we were not aware of.
1: I think that's a really beautiful description of the seeing process. I've been sharing my experiences and things that I've learned that were helpful to me about the creative process for many, many years, close to 15 now, which is kind of crazy. And the original workshop that I gave, it was called life as an art form. And basically the entire concept of the workshop was how to see and seeing as an art form itself. And what we call life is entirely made up of things that we've seen for the most part. Even if it's something invisible like what you're talking about, like an emotion, we still have seen the concept. We've seen the concept. We understand um, the idea of it and that's a kind of a seeing as well. So what I'm hearing that I think is a really, really beautiful essentialized way of speaking about the deep importance of seeing and how that seeing is in itself potentially a creative act and in all moments could be a creative act. I think it's really important to denote, to designate that to make seeing a creative act requires a departure from the recognition and the judgment, like, you're, like what you're mentioning. Mm-hmm. And that's a, a thing that a person has to become very conscious, because if you're not conscious of it, if you're not aware of it, Your system will default to basically only seeing the things that you've already recognized and that prevents the seeing of things that you you haven't seen yet and that prevents discovery which is really at the deep heart of what all humans on the planet really want they want the benefits of discovery they want that thrill that you feel when you discover something They want that new thing and they want the recognition from the other people to say, oh, you've contributed the thing that was valuable or helpful that that we didn't have before. And really the entirety of what we want as humans really does stem right in the very beginning with those two different ways of seeing. And I think one we could call like a masculine way of seeing, you know, which is to see the certain things and the certain forms and to recognize the things that we already have. And then this other form of seeing is like, it's the feminine way of seeing. It's the mystery. And when you think of what mystics are, artists really are, they kind of just spend a lot of time staring at nothing or what everybody else thinks is nothing. They're staring into the darkness, into the mysteries, which is really what mystic has to do with. Seeing
0: is really the number one thing. Seeing in mystery. Yes. Yes. Not seen in reality, right? Seen into the mystery, seen into what other people don't see, to get deeper than usual. I think that opens the door to invitation, which an artist needs in order to create.
1: Wow, you really just took it somewhere so beautiful. The energy just spiked so deeply when you said that because, you know, we talk about deeper. And I think that's such an interesting term, that it was a deeper conversation. What does that even mean? Why do we even say deeper? It implies that most conversation is on a certain level that's just skimming the surface. And then some kind of conversations dig beneath what you can see and start tapping into things and pulling up things that were already there. The conversation didn't make those things appear in the sense of they weren't there before and now they are, but they made them apparent which is to say that they dug down into something and they unearthed and they uncovered. And just as that can be done with words, you're in conversation all of the time with your eyes and what your eyes are seeing. And there is a way to see deeper. You described so beautifully at the beginning of this conversation, you know, you and I are staring at each other right now as we do and we record these and I'm looking at you and you're looking at me, but then you suggested, but there's also a space between us. And I didn't even see the space until you mentioned the space. And the space was already there, but you saw deeper into that moment. And exactly as you described, once I was aware of the space between us, now a whole proliferation of new potential options comes to mind. I saw that there could be somebody dancing back and forth between us. I saw strings and ribbons of color that were playing back and forth. And those things could have been there at any time, but they weren't until I made that designation. And I think another thing that's so beautiful is that I didn't know to see it until you mentioned it, but the second that you mentioned it, I was instantly able to join you there. And I think that has to be one of the most beautiful and powerful and profound aspects of the human experience is that Someone can spend years and years and years digging and digging and digging, going deeper in conversation and in seeing it in themselves. But once they strike that buried thing and they pull it out, even a child can look at it and see it and be like, oh, yeah, that's obviously right there. <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: And deep is really a great word to investigate deeper into deep. Get into the depth. This is where the feminine and the masculine come together in the depth. Yes. Because the feminine energy is devouring and the masculine energy is penetrating. So they've got to get as deep as they can in order to become one, to be together. That's that moment of depth that you brought up the deeper that they get is really when things takes place so let's get deeper into something means that let's get our positive and negative energies together to reach for life to reach for something that
1: exists as a union of Stunning. the two yeah it's such a beautiful way to talk about it too that there's more of the feminine and more of the masculine and more of both of them. That's what happens when something is going deeper. I had never seen it quite like that before, but as something is pushed deeper in, the feminine is taking more and more and more, but the masculine is equally, in fact, exactly equally pushing in more and more exactly. and more. Penetrating more, yeah, yeah. and deeper. And, and the balance in that is quite yeah. extraordinary, that it would always be perfectly balanced between the two couldn't be less or more of a feminine.
0: Exactly, yeah, yeah. And if it's less and more, sometimes it happens to have less and more, and then it it shows in personality, in works, in behavior, in everything. It shows and it shifts. I have a, a couple friends that are very close that the female is the masculine figure, and the male is the feminine figure. It just their looks are different. Mm-hmm. So it happens. It happens that one becomes stronger, one becomes weaker, and leaves an impact on us.
1: Well, it's interesting, too, in a conversation, how some pieces of the conversation can be deep and some aren't deep. You could kind of look at that from this perspective of the moment that it's not deep anymore. There's either been too much feminine or too much masculine the second that that balance is upset in some kind of a way. You could be in a deep conversation and suddenly start saying, hey, what time is it? You know, we're supposed to be uh, to the next thing at 3.30. Suddenly it's not deep anymore. Even if you were just talking about the most profound deep thing, and that's because you just went straight up back into the masculine area of definition and timing and scheduling, not deep at all. And conversely, you could be talking about something really deep and we're both in the moment here. And then I start going, and the second that i do that it becomes too indistinct it doesn't mean anything anymore that either of us can understand and now it's become too much in the feminine also something that can happen too is when someone starts explaining something in a way that you don't understand the masculine will arise up and be like wait i don't get it what do you mean or someone can say, oh, I don't understand these kinds of things. I'm not the kind of person who can understand things like this. And again, just upsetting that balance. And so what I'm really seeing that's so exciting to me right now about this idea of deep is that it's this perfect balance between the two. And when that masculine and feminine is sparking in exactly that kind of way, life is created, movement is created.
0: And the way it happens is all with the feminine power because feminine power devours and attracts both. So because it's attracting, it's in the depth. The deeper that it gets, Mm. the more attraction comes about. The deepest of the feminine energy becomes the most attractive to the masculine power There are times that the masculine energy gets to a point that it's totally gone. It's given completely into the energy that is attracting it from the depth. And the masculine energy gives in, and that is when the creative process begins. As long as the masculine energy is there, It's all about me and it's all about making sure that everything is acceptable and everything goes by the outer look of it. But when we get to the depth of it with the feminine energy, that is when the outer look falls apart. Mm. And you get to a point that you don't even exist anymore.
1: I can't be the only one in this room thinking about sex. (laughs) Am I? But it is quite a like, apparently I am. (laughs) But it it's quite it's quite a profound metaphor. How that there's this equal mixing of these two very opposite things. I mean, you literally can't get more opposite than those two situations. And it's the mixing of those things and both of them equally involved in this, and then at at a certain point then there's this explosion, you know? <laughs> literally. There's this merging into the two. It's the merging of the two. It's the merging. And that's the piece that creates the life. Again, is the merging. And I think so much that's when we feel stuck, so much of us feeling stuck is either too much feminine or too much masculine. And the second that those two things are in alignment again, you get explosion, you get life, you get movement. And the most amazing part is you don't even have to try. There's just something built into us that when we reach that alignment between the two, it's just gas pedal forward you know there's just this stunning momentum and energy and rhythm that life has that's always going just instantly you become a part of that i just think about the light switches and the way that those electrons at at all moments are ready to move and the second that those two things are touching those two elements and what are the two elements positive and negative masculine and feminine it's exactly the same There's just something built into the universe that says when those two things are in alignment, when they merge specifically, the merging of those two things, instantly a circuit is produced. And it's like a timeless circuit because when that circuit is going, there's no even way to tell how long that electricity circuit has been running. It's been forever. It always was and even is right now except just the circumstance doesn't allow for it to show.
0: We're just suggesting a good way of making love by taking sex into lovemaking any sexual act you could turn it into lovemaking by the feminine and masculine energy doing their own thing so the female attraction is got to be deeper and deeper and deeper never be satisfied don't go after climax, don't go after satisfaction, go after getting the deeper and deeper and deeper and the masculine energy is the opposite to penetrate deeper and deeper and deeper because as you penetrate deeper, the emotion takes over. It's not the physical world anymore and that is when the unity takes place. When the unity takes place, you're making love. You're not having sex anymore.
1: Well, I think even it's so interesting, you know, just to look at my own set of ideas and opinions about sex and just even that word and how it, it sounds so different than creativity to me, just in my own references. If we didn't call it sex, if we just call it creation, it, it changes the entire tone of it for me, you know, and that might have just been how I was raised, but it seems like a profoundly different thing. There's a man and a woman, and they're practicing creating together. That makes it sound so different, you know? There's absolutely no shame or darkness in any negative way at all about that. There's practicing creating. And it is profound that there is nothing even possible to create that we know of that is more beautiful, more amazing than a human, at least current stretch of the imagination. No painting has ever been as good as a human is. No piece of music has ever been as good as a human is. At the very best, they're a tiny, perfect sliver, maybe, of what a whole human is. But the works of art, as we call them, are just slivers, by far, a more ultimate version of the art, of the expression of creativity as a human, because it's art that is capable of producing other art, and not just one, but many, 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 and not just one form, but one artist can be profound in many different levels of expression. And so, I don't know, I think maybe even for my own self, I might just not use the word sex anymore, kind of like this idea of just switching it out for For creation. And I think that makes a lot of things more clear. It's like, do I want to create with this person?
0: Yeah, but I wonder what happens if you just walked into a girl and suggested to her that let's create together. What type of reaction do we get if you did that?
1: Well, I'm not even necessarily saying literally. Let's not talk about that. But I'm saying like the way that I'm thinking about it. But, but there is a lot of stigma around that particular word. There's a lot of shame around it. There's a lot of uh, memories around it. It's a, it's a heavy word. The first time
0: I got to know English and I was studying, the word that I was looking for, which the Eastern language is very powerful, it's the union that takes place, that covers everything. But when I found union, I thought, wow, I found a good word. But then when I saw labor unions and those type of thing, suddenly it lost its old feeling that I was mm-hmm. looking for. But union is really what is all about, whether it's sex or lovemaking or any type of union of emotions into one. It's like when you mix different tastes, Let's say you hate sour taste, but when you mix it with sweetness, bitterness, or salt, it becomes more pleasant. When you combine the two of the tastes together, they become pleasant. Same thing happens when the emotion, when we combine two of the emotions together, becomes much more pleasant than one emotion by itself. It's wonderful to have a, cry and laughter at the same time. (laughs) It's such a powerful emotion that every time that I see an actress, usually you see it in the actresses, where they cry and laugh at the same time, and they do it so well. I become jealous to see that, (laughs) wow, how you can combine the two opposite emotions so beautifully on your expression. Same thing happens with any kind of artworks. Bringing the two together, that union.
1: I don't know why I've never thought of this in terms of sex. It seemed almost like entirely different categories to me, and it's, <laughs> it's really kind of exciting to me to think of you're, you're searching for union with somebody else. You're mixing pieces of yourself and things that you've learned and things that you feel. You're mixing them almost like an experimental alchemist or a poet searching for the right word. You're mixing with somebody else's energies. And I think as a way to grow, as a way to expand yourself and your own ideas and feelings and all of that through all of the acts of art, that's really what we're doing. And I, I think that there's a kind of a clarity for me in taking the act of reproduction between two people and then looking at just how creative it is. We're basically saying there's nothing more creative, really, that a person can possibly do than make another human. It's kind of like the, the ultimate of, of the creativity. And then what's really happening there is a complete union of the, of the masculine and the feminine energies that sparks that. We're also saying that as that energy gets sparked, there's this forward momentum that is created in it that is beyond either of the participants. Neither of them know what they're doing. They're just showing up. They're just being there. And then somehow in the mixing of those two things, this new spark gets created. It has its own momentum, its own energy, and then becomes this whole other thing that then is capable of itself creating more. If we take that as this is basically the ultimate that humans can do, and then take all those principles into the way that we're approaching the rest of our, our art and our creation, I think there's some really powerful things to be learning there, to look at making a painting or a song specifically to mix opposites together, to explore taking pieces that normally you would think, oh, that's, those are totally different. And instead of ignoring that, get excited about that and say, ooh, I've never mixed this with this before. Kind of trying to find that perfect balance between the familiar and the unexpected, and then to think that you're going to grow from that. There's going to be a new thing that comes from that. And I know recently, in these past couple months, I've really been focused on this idea of, I believe creativity, the main purpose of it, is not actually for other people. I actually believe it's, it's for yourself. And I, I used to think for many years that like, I would make things for people so that they would like me, so that I would get their attention, so that I would be seen as valuable or as interesting or something like that. And I think that's probably a pretty common thing if, if we're honest with ourselves on a subconscious level. A lot of the reason we do almost anything that we do is to get something from other people. And there's a big problem in efficiency loss with that, because if I have this need of mine and then I... I'm trying to make something to get you to fill that need. There's so many variables in that places where it could go wrong or it could go lost that it's just not a very efficient way to do that. And so what I've really been looking at is let's cut out the (laughs) middleman, which is the other person. Let's cut out all of them. And let's just say maybe my creative gift, the primary purpose of it, might be to fill my own needs, to fill my own lacks, and then if you look at it that way, let's take away the word lack, because lack suggests something negative, and let's say, I have these feminine spaces in me, I have these emptinesses, and maybe those emptinesses, which could be called lacks or wounds or darknesses or traumas or whatever somebody wants to call them, let's reframe all of that, let's throw that off and say, I have all these canvases, I have all of these beautiful empty spaces, these unwritten pages inside of me, and my primary impetus my my calling as an artist firstly chiefly perhaps is to fill those with my own creative gift Mm -hmm. and I look at my own life and it's like I grew up very very isolated and lonely and so what did I end up doing becoming a person who travels the world teaching about connection and Mm -hmm. I was a person who experienced very deep heavy emotions and I was locked beneath them a lot so what did I end up doing studying joy and now becoming a person who is full of joy and i just keep seeing how i think i spent a lot of the early part of my life giving away the most powerful tool that i had to other people in hopes that they would somehow know how to meet these needs of mine and it's kind of like that story of the tree that you tell where a tree's not trying to give anybody oxygen the tree's not trying to give anybody shade a tree's not trying to give anybody fruits it just so happens that a tree being perfectly itself does all of those things and more. Does that make sense? Sure.
0: Last week I had that retreat and there was a girl at the retreat. She said that she's boring. She said that she cannot get a good boyfriend. I said, "What are you doing?" And she said, "Well, no, I'm in search of love, but I haven't been able to find it." And I look at her, she's a beautiful girl, very charming, and I say, "Where does the whole thing begin?" Love begins with a feminine energy. Love does not begin with masculine energy. Finding a beloved, you know, wow. a lover or something, it's a masculine energy. Yes. You're going after finding something. Mm. You have to begin with feminine energy, wow. which is attracting.
1: Yeah.
0: You got to just work on attracting. Your beauty is fine and you're beautiful, but so is of A fantastic hook to catch fish with. But unless you put it in the sea to catch the fish, it doesn't work. So your beauty is not used in order to attract. You want to show off your beauty, fine. You can do it, and that's great. But that's not going to lead to love. By showing off beauty, you're not going to have beloveds. By attracting lovers, you could have lovers. So your feminine energy is what you have to use to begin with any kind of a attraction. In fact, art, we talked about it even in one of the sessions. Art was originally a verb, hmm. which was about bringing together. So art was to bring together, to bring together your emotion with physical world, to bring together your taste with other people, whatever the whole wow. thing was. So the whole concept of art was really arting we were arting we were not making art the whole concept was to unify things to bring them together and this is what an artist does this is what the prophet does this is what the inventors do everything is the height of it is bringing together that is the true art as you bring together Later on became a noun, <laughs> but originally it was to art, and I still love the idea of art in, just to bring together. So the whole concept of, of sex union, whatever you want yes. to call it, is really to art. Well, I'm even hearing... So next time you walk to a girl and say, can we art
1: together? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure this, this podcast will start the trend. <laughs> <laughs> but, but i am thinking about the word love which is a word i don't talk about as much but i think i've heard you describe before that love is the union of the opposites
0: i would say life is the union of the opposite love is the energy that makes it happen love is the energy that brings them together life is the result of the union is not the result of love. Love is the process that brings us together. When you're climaxing, love is not existing anymore. It's the union that has taken place. So at that point, if somebody froze you at that point, your words, your emotion, everything, it's not really what we think it is. It's having completely lost your physical being. It's been totally emotion. That union happens when Beethoven makes the ninth. It's reaching that level of depth where there's no identity anymore.
1: But we're saying art, arting, is this mixing of the two, the masculine and the feminine. It's the exploration. And when those things strike in that perfect balance, it's creating this spark of life, which now has its own momentum So how do you differentiate the process of art with the process of love? They
0: are the same thing. People ask me, when do you know that your art is finished? And I turn the whole question around and say, when do you know that your lovemaking is finished? It's the exact same thing. I paint, I make love. I paint, I make love. I paint, I make love. The whole concept is to bring them together. Painting and making love becomes one. When it becomes one, I reach that moment of climax when I am not separated from my canvas anymore. Canvas, paint, and I are one. At that point, we are creating. No matter what we do, at that point is creation.
1: There's a dream I had recently I want to tell you about. I think it has interconnection to what we're exploring here. I saw this car from the 60s driving down this really long, straight road on Route 66 or something in the middle of the American Midwest. And that's all there was. There was just this massive desert and this one long road of pavement. And then there was this car driving down. All of a sudden, the car stops and veers to the right and crosses the white line. And then I suddenly knew that now there was no road, or everything was the road. And I thought, how interesting that both of those things are equally true. The road is gone, and everything is road. And it just really struck me that things that are so opposite, so perfectly opposite, could be equally true at the exact same time. And then the third thing that I noticed was that What I had thought was the road was really only this long line that somebody had drawn on the entire world and how incredibly small a sliver of the entire world that line was. But when I had designated that as road, I had become locked into that experience, which is going to be locking me into a thought that somebody had Probably years and years before I was even born. And that much of what we think of as life, much of what we think of as ourselves, much of what we think of as the world or our art or anything is just this really long thin line, usually that somebody else drew a long time ago, that we co create by agreeing to stay on that road. So we still have a responsibility for being on that. But just like roads, We don't even think of the fact that you could turn off of the road most of the time. We just oh, this is the road, so you go on the road. That's that's what we're made to do. And to me, it really ties into this idea that we're talking about, about seeing, about being able to see those three very, very important things. The first that as soon as you look over to the right where you weren't looking before, suddenly there's no more road. And also suddenly every single thing in the world is a road. And then also that the thing I was on is somebody else's thing and is an incredible limit to be inside of. Which is not necessarily negative, but incredibly important to be aware of, especially in the moment when you feel stuck. And I think that's where a lot of people are in the world is they feel stuck and they have felt stuck for a really long time. And some of them have given up because of that. And some of them have been angry because of that. And some of them have taken it out on other people or themselves because of that. And none of those things have solved it. None of those do, ever.
0: When you're on a road, you either have a place to go to, that's why you're on the road. Or you're on the road to discover something. Most of us are on the road in order to get to a place. Wow, so beautiful. So when we take the journey with a map, the idea of getting to a place, Mm -hmm. same thing in lovemaking and creating and living a life, whatever you think about, we're pushing everything back into our rational thinking, judging constantly where we are. See, we don't judge a tree by why these branches are going this way or that way. But we judge ourselves by thinking, why am I doing it this way or that way? Take the road. Just take the road, no matter what road. Yes. No matter what road. Every road reaches where you got to be. <laughs> Every road go there. It's your capability to go through the road. One would climb the mountain to reach the peak. One would take the elevator to be there. One goes with a helicopter there. One would just regular trail. It all connects with our upbringing, our capabilities, the physical life that we have. We put it together with the road that we're taking.
1: Inevitably, we reach where we're supposed to reach. Yes, and what's so exciting about that to me too is that when people are going to this predetermined destination... And they've already been there before and they're going back again and again and again it's usually because they feel comfortable and familiar that they know what to do or how to be when they get there and the problem with that is that that safety that they have they have to pay a cost for that and the cost of safety is lack of growth because when you are veering off of the road and you're going to a place you've never gone before the concern immediately is but what will be there? And what if I can't meet what's there? And what if I'll? It'll be dangerous. And what if I don't have the skills? What if I'm not good enough? Etc. 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 You get Picasso, who says, "I'm always doing things I can't do. That's how I do them," and that's so thrilling to me. And It also reminds me too of your story. I think we've told the longer story in other other places, but how you were going up to Canada to see a friend that had invited you up, and you're at the at the border guard. They were like, "What are you here doing?" And you were like. I don't know. <laughs> and you're like, well, why did you come to Canada? I don't know. <laughs> you know, and it's like, that's <laughs> deeply problematic for border guards. But it's the perfectly true and important thing to say as an artist because if you're headed somewhere and you don't know where it is that you're headed, but you're definitely headed there, which is different from not knowing where I'm going because I'm sitting on a couch and I'm just thinking about where I might go someday, but maybe not different. When you're actually on the road, when you are moving, but you don't know where you're moving to, one thing for certain is gonna happen. You're gonna grow. You're gonna change. You're gonna learn new things. And in so doing, become a part of the constant motion of the life cycle. And in so doing, honor who you really are here to be, which is to be alive.
0: And that is what brings us to the concept of art again. To art is to connect. What is that we connect? There is the journey that we take based on something that we've been doing and we've got to do, and it's a map that i got to follow. I'm taking on, I'm on this road because it takes me to my job or takes me to my house, or takes me to whatever it is. Yes, That's one by itself. Yes. There's no escape from it, and there's no way to say, when you're going home, if somebody stops, you say, where are you going? You cannot say, I'm just going where the road takes me, <laughs> <laughs> because you want to go get home. <laughs> that you cannot uh, play around with. This road that you're on, it's going to take you to where you need to be. But then there's this other road, that you have to surrender to the road to take you where it wants to do. That is when arting takes place. Developing a relationship between these two. What part of the road I'm taking for a purpose? What part of the road I'm taking just for the sightseeing? And that becomes a major part of making enjoyable life. Because if you really want to enjoy your life, you got to know where I'm supposed to do this thing and where I want to follow my heart to do things. Never mix those two because you're going to be in trouble.
1: Well, I mean, that takes us back to what we were saying earlier that I think has been a, one of the biggest epiphanies I've had over the last couple of months has been whenever a person feels stuck, it's because there's too much masculine or too much feminine. Always. Because when the two are balanced, you get forward movement, you get life. And I think that's, for me, been a really beautiful just key and indicator because we all know what it feels like to be stuck. And like I said, from my experience of humans, I think most people feel stuck most of the time and or are trying to do something to cope with all of the heaviness that that is to feel stuck tied in with that is this idea that's been important to me for a few years that i realized which is to be an explorer is to spend most of your life lost that is what it is to be an explorer because an explorer doesn't know where they're going they might have some idea maybe of what they're trying to find but they don't know how to get there and they don't know what they're going to find when they get there they don't know any of those things and so In a lot of ways, people as artists, as creatives, they're trying to get to a specific place a lot of the time. Usually this place is this road through the desert, like I'm talking about, that they got that idea from somebody else who had already gone to that specific place. And if you follow those lines, you will be tracing the Mona Lisa, you know, then that is not art. And it really has so much to do with exploration that I think there's this thing we've got to get good at as creatives. And I think this applies to life. I think it applies to relationship. I think it also applies to the creative forms of showing up with tools that we've been practicing for years, tools to face the unexpected. If we're going to make tools, let's make tools that help us face what we don't know yet. Let's make ideas and concepts and self-images that help us meet the unknown, versus just for a very specific purpose. And I think that's really where we're getting stuck a lot of time in that what we're calling creative process, which isn't really fair to call it creative process until those two masculine and feminine energies become connected, until that circuit gets created because otherwise you're just dicking around in a certain way of talking about it. Mm -hmm. And any manner of using that particular instrument, anywhere but the one place that it's meant for, it might do something, but it's not going to make a baby. (laughs) There really is something about this is the place for this specific thing at this specific moment. And I think me in my life, what I'm really learning from this conversation is I really want to make a lot more room for that mystery in every single conversation that I have. I want to leave room for that feminine, because I think a lot of times we just come in with this very masculine idea of you were supposed to say this, you were supposed to do this, life was supposed to be like this. And instead to just bring this feminine in, be like, what's going to happen today? I don't know.
0: Imagine putting joy in life would be to be able to fly. When I'm flying, I'm above the whole world, enjoy every moment of it. The part that becomes a problem for us is landing. If I'm worried about landing, I'm going to fly very low. In fact, I'm going to not even fly. I'd be a turkey with big (laughs) wings. (laughs) Just walk around. (laughs) In order for us to fly, we need to know the landing. And that's the constraint that we need to live with. We need to know exactly how we can land. The better we know how we can land, the higher we can fly. Go all the way to the peak, knowing that you can land. To be able to land needs our trusting ourselves, our capability, Mm. knowing that I have the capability to land. And if you're not so sure that you have it, practice Mm -hmm. to know how to land. As we do that more and more, what to eat, which is good for my life, what to wear so I won't catch a cold when I go outside. Whatever relates to the physical world that we're dealing with, it's a landing that we have to be concerned about. If you're sure about your landing, then you can fly high. If I know that I'm not going to get caught by a police or get a ticket or run into something problematic, I can be drunk all my life. Nothing could be greater than that. To be drunk constantly, to be completely flying and not worrying about landing. My advice to people is basically go and work on learning how to land learn how to have good food to eat, good shelter to sleep in. Once you know that they're taken care of, you can be freely flying anywhere you want to. So the main thing is that we need to connect ourselves with the necessities of the road. Those who go on Mount Everest. Yeah,
1: you have to be prepared. They
0: got to be prepared. They have a backpack which is about 200 pounds that they have to carry with them to be able to reach all the way up there and have enough of whatever they need. That preparation is something that we need to really pay attention to before we can start flying. But most of us want to fly and we're not going to fly high. We're going to fall down because we don't know how to land. And this is my advice to many, many artists, many of those who think that they're artists and they have the capabilities, but they got a problem with landing. They want to fly and land at the same time. You can't do that. You'll be turkey. (laughs) So the whole idea is make sure that your physical being is taken care of before you can get on the runway to fly.
1: And I think, too, I just want to close it with that beautiful illustration that you gave at the very beginning of this, to notice the space in between you and what you're looking at. I think when a person feels stuck, no matter what it is, that's a really beautiful practice to bring in. What is the space in between you and that thing? What else is possible in that space? And I just think there's a lot of creative energy in that
0: The Wisdom of Madness is produced by Rasuli, Jesh DeRox, and Elizabeth Joy Wyndham. Our theme music is by Nicholas Poshberg. If you like what you heard, please subscribe, rate, and review on Apple Podcasts. Also, if you know someone who would appreciate this podcast, we encourage you to share it, screenshot it, and airdrop it to your friends, family, and community.